So today we are in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we are looking at a story um, that, that involves actually uh, King David. He's one of the most uh, famous people in the Bible for, for good reason. And, and we see a lot written about him. And we, and we see David in this passage just showing kindness, uh, showing love, and showing a kindness that really what one would not expect. And, and today's story involves David and a man named Mephibosheth. Now, the name Mephibosheth is actually not the easiest name to say. And I remember when I was young, I, I would look at that name Mephibosheth and something I would have a hard time maybe pronouncing it. And it was like a tongue twister, right? You tell somebody, hey, say Mephibosheth 10 times and they might trip you up. And it's, it's a, and a lot of the names in the Bible are actually a little harder to say. And, and you know, I don't know if you've ever read genealogy. I'm sure you have, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever read it out loud. I remember sometimes doing Bible reading with people and we, we would just read maybe a genealogy together and sometimes as we were reading it we would just all crack up because we would laugh because it was just some of these names are very difficult to say um, actually kind of reminds me of when i was growing up in in new york in new york city uh first day of school i remember the teacher would you know read, read everybody's names you know back in those days we had this thing called the delaney card i'm sure Many of you remember that. I don't know if they still have those things, but you know, you you fill out a little Delaney card, and the teacher would just kind of go around reading your name, and you know, they they would they would a lot of times they would preface, I, I apologize in advance if I you know don't say your name correctly, and then they would proceed to say incorrectly many of those names, and 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 I remember those days, and 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 so i think in the bible we we see these names that are sometimes difficult to say but some of those names leave an impression and mephibosheth is definitely a name that has left me an impression in my life really because when you look at this story in second samuel chapter 9 you're just amazed by what happens to him um we, we have to realize again just a little bit of context to the story so so david at this point in his in his in his kingship, right in his rule, he's 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 enjoying relative peace and prosperity. But we have to realize something that that David is a man who who suffered. David is a man who went through a lot. We we read the Psalms. So many of the Psalms are by David, and we can see just the things that he went through, the suffering that he went through. Where when he where he just cries out to the Lord in his struggles, and and. I think hopefully many of us, or if not all of us, know that David was not born into a royal family. Right? The king was Saul. Saul was the king. He was the first king of Israel. But Saul you know, disobeyed the Lord, did not follow the Lord's commands, and, and God decides to anoint a new king. And so Samuel anoints David you know, as the new king. And obviously Saul is jealous. He doesn't want to be replaced. He doesn't want David or anybody else to be the next king after him. You know, he wants the kingship to, to follow in his family. And so he wants his son to be the king. And, and he, has, he has four sons, and he wants really Jonathan to be the king. And, and Saul, he, he goes after David. They, David needs to flee. He needs to hide. And he goes through a lot, lots of struggle. 
because obviously Saul is looking for him. He's coming after him. And even after Saul passes away, even after he dies, there's no peace because there are people in the kingdom who, who rally behind um, so, you know, Saul's only remaining son and, and they, they say he's the king. And so there's like civil war in the land. So there's a lot of struggling. There's a lot of just, you know, strife. But at this point in David's rule, right, in David's kingship, there's relative peace, relative prosperity, and, and things are looking good. And so at this point, David remembers a promise, a covenant that he made with his friend Jonathan. And and really the question is, you know, is David going to be a promise keeper right, or a promise breaker? And, and David decides, I'm going to be a promise keeper. And then he looks for a descendant of King Saul and a descendant of Jonathan. And he finds out, obviously, that Jonathan has a son who is still alive. His name is Mephibosheth. And so in the beginning of the passage, you know, pretty much David says, you know, does, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. He says that, and they find a servant named Ziba, and they bring the servant in, and Ziba, <clears throat> Ziba says, you know, he, he, he knows someone, right? He was, Ziba was a servant of, of Saul, and he says there is actually somebody, there is someone called, you know, obviously Mephibosheth, and he is crippled in his feet, right? He is lame in both of his feet. Now, Mephibosheth was not born lame. He was born with full function of both of his feet. And what happens is when, you know, when Saul and Jonathan, when they both die, you know, the servant takes Mephibosheth and they flee. He's only five years old, but as they are fleeing, he falls and he, he, he gets hurt. And so ever since he was five, he has been crippled, he has been lame, and he can no longer walk uh, like, like, like he could before. And so here is Mephibosheth. And Ziba says, you know, he's still alive. And he's, you know, he's, he says he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amio, at Lodabar. And he's pretty much not near the center of where David is. He's not in Jerusalem. He's kind of away. And I guess the assumption here would be maybe he's in a more remote area so that he would be safe, right? Because maybe he's afraid that he might get killed, that the new king will seek him out you know, and try to try to just try to get rid of him. And so maybe he's hiding. We we don't know exactly why he is where he is, but what we seem to what seems pretty obvious to us is that for whatever reason David does not seem to know about him until this point. And so David finds out about him, he brings Mephibosheth to him, and then we have this conversation that we see where David is just showing kindness. And so so we'll go into that, but Today, I want to really look at, I guess, three things. I want to look at the, the amazing kindness that we see in this passage. But we also want to see the surprising nature of this kindness. And we want to look at the reason for the kindness. First, we want to look at the amazing kindness that we see David showing to Mephibosheth. We want to look at the, the surprising nature of this kindness and really the reason for this kindness. And, and the first thing is we see the kindness what does David do? He, he, he tells Mephibosheth to come to him. And David says, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth says, behold, I am your servant. Now, 
Before that even happens, though, the first thing we see is he, he literally falls on his face. He's scared. Clearly, he's scared, and he pays homage. David says, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, I'm your servant. Right? He's scared, and he's saying, well, pretty much, I think he's thinking, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. You know, I just want to be alive, I think. And, and David says something very interesting in verse 7, do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Now we see a, a few things here. He says to him, do not fear. And so he, he's, he's being kind to him in the sense that I'm going to protect you. Right? I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to imprison you. I'm not going to punish you, which is something Mephibosheth might have expected. But he says, do not fear. He's going to protect him. And then he says, <clears throat> I'm going to show you kindness. And what does that kindness look like? I will restore you all the land of Saul, your father. Now, this is King Saul. And this is his private property. But he was the king. So there's probably a good amount of land that we're talking about here. But David says that he's going to give it to Mephibosheth. So he gives him protection, but also he gives him provision. He gives him land. He gives him possession. This is, this is a big thing. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, you shall eat at my table always. He gives him position. Uh, at this point, Mephibosheth is not somebody who is a big shot. Right? He may have been born into royalty. Right? He, he obviously was. But ever since the age of five, when he had to flee, he's, he really hasn't been somebody you know, particularly special in the eyes of society. I mean, he's lame. He's crippled, which means people probably look down upon him. But also, he can't even really t fully take care of himself at that point. And then... He's, he's, he's in a remote area, far away from the center of, you know, where, where the king is in Jerusalem. And so he's not somebody who would expect to get a lot from anybody, especially the king. And yet, what does David do? He, he shows him kindness by giving him land, by, give, by giving him just possessions and property. He gives him position by saying, you shall eat at my table always. That is, that is a huge thing, to be able to eat at the king's table, right? That means you're elevated in your position. That, and, you know, and really, I think the sense you get here in this passage is, is almost like David is adopting Mephibosheth into his family and saying, you're going to eat with my family. You're going to be as one of my sons and eat at my table always. That's a huge thing. And a little bit later, what does it say here in, in verse 9? He says to Ziba, Saul's servant, all that belongs to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And then he says, and you and your sons and your servants shall tow the land for him and shall bring, him, bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. And Ziba has 15 sons and he has 20 servants. So what, what, is, he, what is David doing? He is giving Mephibosheth protection, don't fear. He's giving him provision and property, right? I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you servants. I'm going to have people take care of your land for you. Make sure you have bread to eat. But then I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to make sure you are taken care of and I'm going to make sure you have position and you should eat at my table. You're going to eat, right, at the king's table. He's giving him position. 
it's almost as if he's adopting him into his family and saying, you're going to be like a prince yet again. And we see this kindness. And then the word for kindness that we see in the passage is the word has said, right? When he says, and he says it three times, verse one, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness, that's has said, for Jonathan's sake. And a little bit later, verse three, is there not someone of the house of Saul that I may show him, show the kindness of God to him? And then one more time, verse seven, do not fear, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. So he uses the word has said here three times, and and this word has said it's it's a it's a Hebrew word. It's um, it's a very important word, and here is translated kindness. Let me let me read something here. It says um, by by a scholar it says you know the the word has said it's a great little word. It's a Hebrew word. It's one of those neon light words in the Old Testament. It's a word that describes the loving kindness of God. Right? It's the loving kindness of God. You know we could use the word. Loving kindness, right? Covenant love, covenant faithfulness, you know, faithful love. I mean, it's it's a word that really shows us God's love, God's kindness, and and it's 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 a very powerful word because because what is David saying? He's saying I I want to show you the kind of love that God has for us, a covenant love a steadfast love, uh, a love that is not going to be shaken by circumstance, right? A love that is, that is always going to be there, you know, because a lot of our relationships, unfortunately, sometimes become what, what, what one might call consumer-oriented, right? Because when, when we're a consumer, and we go to a store, we, we want what we want, right? We, when we go to a store, we want maybe cheap prices, we want good product, we want good customer service, and if we don't get it, we don't want to go back, right? Because because the way you treat me, the, the product you sell me, I mean, that's important to me. I'm a consumer, I'm going to go where I feel taken care of. And so if you go to a store and we don't like it, if they're rude, if the prices are too expensive, the products are no good, we don't go back. Yeah, I remember. I remember one time moving to a new area, and I went to a dry cleaners, and I remember thinking, "Man, they're so rude. They're so condescending. They're acting as if they're doing me a favor." So what, what do I decide? I say, "I'm not going to go back. Yeah, I'm going to go to the other dry cleaners over there." Why? Because I am a consumer, and I want to be treated the right way. I want the right product. I want the right price. The problem is. A lot of times we, we go into even relationships like that. We go into a relationship and we think, you're my friend as long as you're good to me, right? We have a relationship as long as it's gonna work for me. But the moment it doesn't work for me, I don't wanna be in this friendship anymore. I don't wanna be in this relationship anymore. And we tend to have this consumer mindset and relationship. I remember when I used to be a youth pastor, I would hear, some of, these, some of my, my, my students say, oh, you know, she's my BFF, right? which means best friends forever. I don't care. And a month later, they'll be like, oh, no, no, she's not my BFF anymore. This other person's my BFF. And so I remember one time I asked, how can you call somebody a BFF, right? your best friend forever, and then just have a new one every month? That doesn't make any sense. Especially because a lot of times the BFF now has become an enemy of sorts, right? Or somebody I don't like as much. 
and, and they will say to me, oh, you know, pastor, you just don't understand. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't understand. And, but that's what we do sometimes. We, we, we have relationships, we have friendships, and it's very consumer-oriented. But what we, what we need is covenant. It's a set. And when God says, I love you to us, when he shows us kindness, it is a covenant faithfulness, a covenant love, a steadfast love. And that is the kind of love that David is talking about. He's saying, I want to show you covenant love. I want to show you steadfast love. I want to show you loving kindness to you. Why? Because of the covenant I made with your father, Jonathan. He Jonathan and David were, were, were good friends. They loved each other. And, you know, and David made a covenant with Jonathan that he would protect his family. And he said, I want to show you this covenant love, faithfulness, steadfast love. I want to show you this kind of loving kindness. And I think this is so important because I think all of us, we, we want to show this kind of kindness and love towards people. When we, when we care for people, we care for people because we have received so much. David, David is the king. David knows God's loving kindness. David knows God's steadfast love and his covenant faithfulness. And so David is now showing that kind of love and kindness to someone else. And I think that's something that we, we need to do. We, who, who are we? We are like Mephibosheth. We are crippled spiritually. We are lame. We are not worthy of anything. We are, we are really worthy of condemnation and hell without Christ. And yet we know this amazing kindness that God has shown us. You know, the gospel of the world that he gave us one and only son. God showed us his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we know the kind of love God has for us, his steadfast love. And even though we sin again and again, even though we may, we may disappoint, right? even though we may be weak and sinful, even though we are so lacking in so many ways, God continues to love us, show his steadfast love to us, his people, and as we know that love, we want to be people that show that kindness, show that kind of love to others. But as we look at David's kindness in this passage, it's very surprising. Because David would not have been expected to be this kind to Mephibosheth. And if you look at the passage, when Mephibosheth goes to David, as I shared a little earlier, the first thing he does, right, in verse 6, he falls on his face. He literally falls on his face. Why? Because he's scared. He probably thinks David brought him to David in order to get rid of him. Because if you look at different scholars and commentators, they all say the same thing. In the ancient Near East, when one king became the new king, right? And replaced a different king from a different family, right? If there was like a coup d'etat kind of thing, or if, you know, if one royal family was no longer in power and there's a new king, what would be expected 
would be for the new king to wipe out everybody from the old king's family, right? What would be expected would be that the old king would obviously either I don't know, die or be in prison or something, but also that the whole family would be wiped out. Why? Because as long as they're alive, they can be a threat. And we see this even with David's life. Even after Saul dies, David doesn't have an easy time because one of Saul's sons, the one, the one that actually lives, people rally behind him. And, and so it becomes, it, becomes, it becomes a thing, right? And this, this one son of Saul, his name is Ishbosheth, and, and there are people that say, he's the real king, he's the rightful king. And so there's like a civil war. And what would be smart for David, you know, according to this culture, would be just to wipe out everybody from Saul's family. And if he finds out that Mephibosheth is still alive and that he even has a son, like the pastor says, named Micah, that he should get rid of both of them. The only way for David to be really secure, right? The only way for David to really know that he was politically safe and secure as the king would be if he hunted down every other direct descendant of Saul and killed him. And so Mephibosheth, as long as he's alive, as long as his son is alive, could be a rallying cry for David's opponents. And so many people would have expected David to get rid of him, but obviously he made a covenant with Jonathan. And actually what really Jonathan says pretty much in the, in the covenant they make is Jonathan asked David to not cut him off if he's still alive after David comes to power, but also Jonathan asked David to not cut off his family. And so, and so if David wants to take that covenant seriously, then okay, maybe people will say, all right, well, David then should not kill Mephibosheth. He should at least let him live. But what David does in this passage is way beyond, way above and beyond what would have been expected of him. Because not only does he let Mephibosheth live, and his son live, and his family live, I guess, but David then says, I'm going to give you property, provision, right? I'm going to give you the land, all the land that Saul had. I'm going to restore it to you. That's probably a lot of land. And also, Ziba and his sons and servants, there's a lot of them. I'm going to have them work for you, take care of you. I'm going to have you eat at my table, the king's table, and give you position. And honestly, if he does all this, one could say David, if anything, is putting himself in a more vulnerable position. That David is putting himself in a position where maybe one day Mephibosheth could have more power, people could rally behind him, or maybe rally behind Mephibosheth's son, Micah, and maybe he could use this provision and property and this position to somehow try to topple David's reign as king. One could think that. But David doesn't seem to care about any of that. He, he wants to bless Mephibosheth. He wants to show him kindness. He wants to show him loving kindness. But why? And I think this, this is actually very important. Why would David do all this. Right? What is his reason for all of this? And I think the key is in verse 7. If you look at verse 7 with me. Right after David says, Mephibosheth, 
And I will say them on your servant in verse 7. David says to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And he says, I was restored to you all the land. So your father, and you should eat at my table always. But the key is, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. Now, again, think about this. Saul is furious that David is going to be the next king. So he tries to kill David. Why? Because Saul had a son. And he wanted his son to be king after him. He didn't want David to be king. He wanted Jonathan, his son, to be the king. Now, if you think about it, then Jonathan would have more incentive to kill David. Because... He's the one that's supposed to be the next king. And so if David becomes king, then he can't be the king. And so he might think, I'm the rightful heir. So I need to get rid of David. I'm supposed to be the king. But what happens? Jonathan and David become very, very good friends. They love each other. And Jonathan, he perceives God's anointing on David. So he knows that God wants David to be the king. And not only does he perceive his anointing, when we look at 1 Samuel chapters 18, 19, 20, we see them making a covenant of friendship. Right? They are friends that truly love each other. And it's a place where Jonathan actually, he swears love, he swears loyalty to David. And he pretty much says, I'm going to protect you from my father, even though I'm going to you know, be loyal to my father as much as I can. But he says, I'm going to protect you from my father. He's trying to kill you. And, and, David, and, and Jonathan actually takes off his robe he takes off his sword. And really, what does that mean? It means he's giving up his throne. Right? He's saying that I know that David, you are going to be the king. God has anointed you. And even though I'm supposed to be the king in terms of lineage right now, because of what, God's, what God wants, right? Jonathan is laying down his kingship. And he's protecting David. He even puts himself in harm's way to protect David so that David could be out of harm's way. And, and Jonathan is a great friend. He's a loving friend. And they make a covenant of friendship. And so here's the thing. David knows who Jonathan is. David knows the kind of friend that Jonathan was. He knows that Jonathan put himself and risked himself for David. He, David knows that Jonathan laid down his throne for David because he knew that, that was God's anointing was upon David. John, David knows that Jonathan loved him, really cared for him, and they had made a covenant of friendship. And David promised right, that he would protect Jonathan and his family. And so David, as he looks at Mephibosheth, he is willing to bless Mephibosheth. He is willing to really show amazing, loving kindness has said to Mephibosheth, even if it means maybe one day that might come back to hurt him, even if it means through the position that he gives him and the land and the property, maybe that could actually hurt David in the future. But David is willing to take that risk. David is willing to bless this person that he doesn't even really know. Why? Not because Mephibosheth is amazing, not because Mephibosheth is anything special to him in and 
of himself. But no, because when David looks at Mephibosheth, David sees Jonathan. David sees his friend that he loved. David sees his friend that he made a covenant with. David sees his friend who, who put himself in harm's way for him. David sees his friend who was willing to give up his throne for David. David sees his friend. And when he sees Mephibosheth, who is the son of his friend, he, he's going to love Mephibosheth the way he would have loved Jonathan. Because why? Jonathan's righteousness, right? It's imputed to Mephibosheth. He's treating Mephibosheth the way he would treat Jonathan. That's why he's being kind to him. And as we look at that, we get a picture of the gospel. See, we, we are like Mephibosheth. We are lame. We are crippled spiritually. We have no hope in and of ourselves. We deserve nothing. Just like Mephibosheth fell before the king and said, you know, he says, I'm your servant, right? He's, just, he's, 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 he's scared. When we go before the king, right, our heavenly king, we should be scared without Jesus in our lives because we're sinners. We deserve to die. We deserve to be condemned. But we know that our heavenly king shows kindness to us. We know that we are so blessed if we are the people of God by the true king. But why? It's not because we're so good. It's not because we have anything in us that is worthy or, or righteous. No. Just like David looked at Jonathan. And it was because of Jonathan that Mephibosheth was blessed. The only reason that we can be blessed, the only reason that we can be loved and show kindness to it is because of what Christ has done for us. See, Jesus is the true and better, greater Jonathan. Jesus came into this war for sinners like us and he took our place. Jonathan put himself in harm's way. Jesus put himself in harm's way. He literally died for us. He took our place on the cross. He went through hell itself. He came into this world to die the death that we deserve. And he lived a perfect life. He is perfect and his righteousness is imputed to us. We are clothed with his righteousness. And so when our Heavenly Father looks at us, he doesn't just see me and my sinfulness. No, he sees his Son. He sees us clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Christ has taken our place and died the death that we deserve, but he has also clothed us with his righteousness. And so we who deserve nothing because of what Christ has done for us, we can receive the said the amazing kindness, the steadfast love of God. And we are protected, right? Even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, right? Because our God protects us. We are given provision. God provides us with everything that we need in our lives. But also, we are given position. We are now sons and daughters of God. We are adopted into the family of God. And we can eat at our king's table. We are so blessed because of what Christ has done for us. 
And as we know that, as we know that love, as we know that loving kindness, my hope and my prayer is that we would just worship God. I'm sure Mephibosheth was very grateful when he heard all this from David. And when we realize what has happened to us, how blessed we are because of what Christ has done for us, let us worship. Let us give our lives to him and say, Lord, we want to live for you and for you alone out of this thankfulness and gratefulness, out of love for you as you have so richly loved us. But also, let us not stop there. Let us love others, this kindness that we have received. Let us do let us do our best, have a desire to love others with that kind of loving kindness, the covenant love, that steadfast love. Let us try to bless others and show God's love to people the way we have been so richly blessed. And also let us show, share this kind of love to those who don't know Christ, so they may know Christ, and they may know this kind of loving kindness as well. So that is my hope. That is my prayer today. And I hope today, as we think again about this kind of amazing kindness and love, that we would just be blessed and we would give glory to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for 